those to join us this morning. We are just starting a new series here, um, going through studying the book of Acts. And so we're going to kind of take it uh, as we go here. Acts, uh, as you might know, has 28 chapters. So we're either going to be doing this for 28 weeks or we will change along the way and do something different or take a break as we go. But uh, we're going to start off going through the book of Acts here. We'll see how long we continue or we might do a series in between along the way to... uh, to break it up a little bit, but I just want to personally welcome you and thanks for joining us this morning. We'll go ahead and pray and we'll get started uh, studying chapter one here. So if you would, let's just bow our heads together and pray. Well, Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you again for just giving us life today. Thank you uh, for bringing us here this morning together just to worship you and to hear from you. And Lord, uh, I just want to ask you on behalf of all of us that you would speak to us this morning. As we read chapter 1 of, uh, of the book of Acts, I pray that you would open our eyes to it, to, to understand it, and to figure out how to do it, to see what we can learn from the example given us, and how we can apply that to our lives today. And we ask for your help in this, Lord. I pray there'd be things that we read and come to understand today that we have not before, and that we can apply in a new way um, as we walk out the door this morning. But God, we, we just ask that we could hear from you by your grace, please. Enable uh, me, your servant, Lord, to speak your word with boldness this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so the page is uh, 1077 in your house Bible, if you've got one. If you've got your own Bible, well, it's Acts chapter 1. You've got to find your own page number on that one. Let's, uh, let's see here. I really appreciate the, uh, the slideshow that, that you guys put together. There. That was awesome. Part of me is thinking we should just... Watch that a few more times and call it a morning. But uh, the other part of me thinks we should probably teach through Acts here as well. So we'll go with that one. Um, but uh, we're just going to go ahead and we're going to divide this chapter into two sections that we'll read. We'll read the first 11 verses. We'll talk about a few applications. And then we'll read the, the remaining few verses after that and a few points from that. So um, if you'd open your Bibles, we'll just read together. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. All right. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to those men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and the cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. We'll stop there for now. 
My hope is that as you're going through this, you just have the, the picture of the scene painted in your mind, the scene of them gathering on the Mount of Olives and Jesus kind of saying his final, his final farewell, reminding them of their instructions very briefly, and then ascending from there into heaven. And uh, I imagine it would just be one amazing scene to have taken part of. I hope when we get to heaven, we'll get to see the, the instant replay of it, you know, and just kind of go, that was, that'd be um, just awesome to see. You know, it was like it wasn't a, can you imagine a person just standing next to you and all of a sudden just rising up, you know, past the, you know, past the telephone wires up into the sky and they disappear in the clouds? No, uh, no rocket launch, no propulsion from this, you know, explosion going. They just rise above with supernaturally, you know, it's been an amazing thing to be a part of. And they're just staring there. And these angels kind of said, all right, now let's get on with what he said here. Get back to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come, you know. And um, that would just have been a fascinating scene. But we're going to look at a few things to try to understand the context some more. Um, let's see here. I've got a few pictures here, a few maps. One of them uh, we're going to look at is, this is a nice map of... Uh, it's kind of Israel of the New Testament times. It has some things uh, labeled from back when the, this Acts chapter 1 is speaking about. I don't know how well you can see, but some of the things I want you to catch is, well, there's Jerusalem right there. Uh, that's where he was speaking to them on the Mount of Olives when he ascended. He also had met with them up at Galilee at one point. He said, you know, tell the disciples to go to Galilee, and he met with them there. Um, some other places here. This is kind of the region of Judea. The region of Samaria, those are mentioned in Acts 1.8. Uh, some other points of interest, I think Damascus is way up over this way where uh, Paul was on the road to Damascus and when um, he, he saw the flash of light that changed his life. Um, so there's a few things here, but when we talk about the Acts 1.8 here, we're just to think about, he told them to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And really that slide before kind of captures the to the ends of the earth part. They started out here in, uh, in uh, you know, the modern day Israel as we know it, uh, Palestine, and then uh, they went from there. And this kind of shows where they spread throughout the known world. Um, and they have different, different uh, disciples. Ended up, a lot of them were martyred in different parts of the world. And so... Um, you know, some of them, I think about Thomas was, uh, tradition has it, he was martyred uh, as he was trying to share in modern day India. Um, there's James in Spain here, Peter in Rome, some of these. And so it's just kind of where they started in Jerusalem and they reached really a, a major part of the known world at the time. And so I think um, that's just kind of the context of where they were at. Uh, let's see here. We're going to look at a few things here. Um, See, we got the whole slide there. All right. Oops, oops. Hold on. Sorry. Um, one of the things I like about Acts chapter one is uh, we did a series about a month ago. Hopefully, you guys remember it. We we did a series on the Great Commission. Anyone remember that series at all? Yes. All right. I hope so. Good. It's only been a month, so I hope it's still in your minds there. But we did a four-part series on the Great Commission, and really, what we did was take the the last few segments of each of the Gospels. And look at Jesus' instructions. You know, Acts starts off saying about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until he was taken up to heaven. And it says, I love this phrase here. It says, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, 
the NAS puts that verse, verse 2 there, it says, after giving orders, after Jesus had given his disciples orders, that was the end of the Gospels, that was when he gave the Great Commission, where the orders he gave to his disciples, this is basically what happened next. After they were under orders, after he ascended into heaven, this is, is what happened. So it's kind of a transition from the Gospels into the New Testament, as we know it here, the, the New Testament church um, and life there. So uh, I think we need to catch that idea that it just emphasizes these, these first disciples were under orders. They were given orders. They were given marching orders, if you will. And I want to ask you, you know, do you catch that? Do you, if you haven't uh, studied the Great Commission, if you missed the series that we did, I encourage you to go to the website. There's four teachings on uh, how we are to take that commission personally. I read a scary statistic here recently that said, out of born-again Christians, um, roughly 52%, only 52% of born-again Christians take the Great Commission personally. Only 52 of all professing born-again evangelical-type Christians take the Great Commission personally. So basically what you could do is number off in this room and the statistics would say, every other one of you thinks that Jesus' orders were serious. And the rest, they don't take them personally. And I hope that our church would be an exception to that. I hope that everyone in this room, after having gone through the series on the Great Commission, after uh, teaching for years on how we're to take the Scriptures and the New Testament and put it into action today, I hope that every one of you would have an ownership of this mission. And if you don't, well, I hope you do by the time we're done today. So, um, anyways, let's see here. The mission to the ends of the earth. Um, that's, uh, let's see... One of the things we talked about in the Great Commission uh, series that we did was we have a God-given mission, mission to reach the world with Christ is kind of the phrase we use, reaching the world with Christ. Jesus, in some way, he kind of summarized. Acts 1.8 summarized. He took everything that he had commanded the disciples and he gave them this as his final words. You know, as a matter of fact, this phrase, to the ends of the earth, that was the last thing Jesus said on this planet while he was on, in his body. Um, like that. That's the last thing, the last phrase that came out of his mouth to his disciples were, was to the ends of the earth. They were given their mission. They were given the message. They were given the, the method and the means that was promised. And, uh, but he said, to the ends of the earth now. Starting here in Jerusalem, to the ends of the earth. And, um, in a lot of ways, if you haven't, uh, heard before, really Acts 1-8, it gives us the framework for the entire book of Acts. Um, Acts 1.8, you know, it says that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Oops. Let me see here. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And that's basically chapters of Acts 1 through 7. It's talking about how they reached Jerusalem, how they really saturated Jerusalem with uh, the good news about Christ. Then, uh, in all Judea and Samaria, in the regions near Jerusalem there, Acts chapters 8 through 12 speak to that. And then in the last part of the book of Acts, basically chapters 13 to the end, 28, talk about how they reached the rest of the world, how they reached the Gentiles from there. And so um, it really, this, this verse is uh, kind of the key to unlock the whole book of Acts. We need to, we need to catch the importance of this verse here. Um, and so, um, let's see here. One person said that uh, it could probably, a uh, Bible scholar said one of the things you could call Acts, maybe another name instead of Acts, uh, could have been how, it's kind of paraphrased, but they said, how the gospel made it from Jerusalem to Rome. 
how it started there and how it spread and how like uh, God reached Saul and he became Paul and he, he helped advance the gospel greatly. But how the gospel went from Jerusalem, the starting place, to, to the Gentile world, to the ends of the earth, even to Rome there. And so um, that's one way to look at it. Um, let's see here. Alright, keep moving here. Into the earth. Reach our Jerusalem. Pray about steps. One of the things I want us to catch, you can maybe write down in your notes about the mission here. In Acts 1.8, it gives us, it gives us the game plan for reaching the world. Um, we need to catch that Jesus, he, uh, he reminded them of their mission. They're going to be witnesses. They're going to be witnesses starting here and throughout the world. And he gave them a strategy. He gave them a game plan for reaching the world. And that's, um, you can write down this phrase here. It's kind of a kind of a big phrase, but the game plan back then was catch these words if you can. They're big words. My wife said, "Sounds like a you should be speaking to a corporation or something like that." But uh, the the pattern that Jesus gave the disciples was progressive geographic expansion. How do you like that? Progressive geographic expansion, starting in Jerusalem. And progressing from there to the regions nearby, Judea and Samaria. Progressing from there to the ends of the earth. Um, so, progressive geographic expansion. And that was the map that we had there. Um, let's see. Again, we see how it started. Oop, oop, can I go back to that map? Oh, there we go. How it started right here. And how it expanded into Judea and Samaria. And then how it expanded from there into the into the known world and throughout the world, the Romans' world empire there at the time. So um, that was the game plan that they were given and that was the game plan that they carried out. Um, but the game plan for us now we need to catch is the same thing we talked about in our Great Commission series that we're to start in our Jerusalem um, and we're to reach our surrounding areas and then reach to the ends of the earth from here. And so... Um, that's, that's the blank to reach our Jerusalem and then and then go from there to, to pray about steps to reaching the ends of the earth here. And I wanted to just get us thinking about some things here and, and praying about some things together as a church. But um, our Jerusalem is right here where we've planted our flag. We've landed and we started it. A lot of us brought a team down from Fort Collins and thought that God wanted us to plant a church right here in the Denver Highland neighborhood, close to the Denver downtown. Statistics show there's a lot of churches out in the suburbs that kind of have similar value and vision, but in the downtown area, there's almost a vacuum of churches that are getting out with the gospel and making disciples. And so, God let us hear, this is our Jerusalem, and we need to know that you need to have ownership. I hope you have ownership of reaching where you are now, reaching our Jerusalem, the Denver Highlands area. Um, I think of the Auraria campus. There's somewhere between 38 and 40,000 students on the downtown Auraria campus. Some of you might be students there, but in a lot of ways, that's, that's our turf. That's our Jerusalem. And then we hope to expand from there. And some of the details about expanding are not, um, they're not, you know, we don't know for sure about them, but I want to get you praying about some of those. Um, did these get moved to another slide? Or they, okay, let me have you write some things down here. Um, one of the things that's on the radar screen, we're meeting uh, in about a month with some pastors from Colorado, other pastors in our, our region here, and we're going to have a meeting just talking about 
things God's putting on our heart, where He's leading us. But one of the things that gets tossed around is, hey, who's going to Golden? Uh, who's going to start a work in Golden at the School of Mines there? And so, um, that's one thing that's on our radar nearby. There's, there's a school there with a number of students, um, opportunity there. There's, I think, uh, I think one of the guys even commutes from there to join us for house church and for um, Sunday mornings here. But we're praying about it. the Fort Collins team is thinking, the Fort Collins is thinking about sending the team this summer to Golden for all summer long, and, and they're trying to see if there's anyone who would be there once they take their team back to CSU after the summer. And maybe there'd be some people that would try to take the fruit and the, the results of that time and, and try to run with it. And that's one of the discussions we're going to have. But you guys pray about if God would have us to be thinking about Golden and uh, a work there at School of Mines. Another place you can pray about this kind of a regional, bigger step. It's um, We took a mission trip. You might have seen some of the pictures there from uh, our mission trip down to Phoenix. Those were the ones that uh, the people making the slideshow did not have permission to show some of those, uh, like me in my swimsuit and stuff like that. That's uh, Or me in my cape. I had a cape at one point to do a super dive. But... Um, Anyways, we were down helping a small church in, in the Phoenix area. It's kind of between Tempe and uh, Mesa. And it's a, a very, very small church, smaller than probably any of our house churches. And, and yet they have a heart to get the gospel out down there. They're planted within five minutes of Arizona State University, which I think has an enrollment up towards 55,000 students. And so there's this little church there, and we went to help them, and we got to do some surveys out on the campus there. But uh, in a lot of ways... They're, they're kind of off the, the radar. They're not a new church. They've been there for a while. And, you know, through different circumstances, they just have a small group of faithful brothers and sisters that are trying to carry out this mission. But we went there and we were like a breath of fresh air to them. And I think they hoped that we would come back and, and help support their church and help reach out to, to campus a bit there. But uh, that's something that's on the radar screen as well. Another thing in this, uh, maybe beyond the regional, more in the, the international to the ends of the earth side of it is, you know, I encourage you to join us in praying. We're praying about Golden School of the Mines. Is that what God has? Uh, Phoenix and Arizona State. It's something. Would God ever send a team from here to there? And then another thing to pray about is where where in the world would God want us to go? To the ends of the earth, you know. Um, uh, I think it's something that I have been reading some statistics on this, and there's some really sobering statistics that um, there's places that are extremely unreached with the gospel. Um, there was one statistic that showed uh, a lot of the world that is influenced by either uh, Christianity as we know it, kind of the evangelical New Testament, or whether it's Catholic influence or Protestant or Orthodox, there is a lot of the world that has some influence of the Bible and the gospel getting out in some different ways. But then there's other places that don't even have, don't even have a hint. There's, there's places where uh, a small percentage even know of a Christian. Um, and so I've been just thinking, well, maybe would God want us to, sometimes I go, well, maybe God wants us to learn Spanish, reach some Spanish-speaking people here, maybe in Phoenix as well, maybe cross the border down into Mexico and Latin America. That could be the plan God has for us. We're praying about that. But some of these other statistics I saw, um, in the world of kind of Latin America, North America, there's, there's roughly, a, they estimate like one missionary per 720 people. One missionary per 720 people. There's other places like the Muslim world that the ratio right now is per one missionary in the, in the Muslim world. Guess how many there are to reach? Per one missionary, they have to reach 
who've been unreached with the gospel, 306,238. For one missionary, 306,000 people to be reached with the gospel. In other areas like uh, more of the, the Hindu world where that is predominant, the ratio is one missionary in that world to about 179,000. In the world like the U.S., North America, South America, the ratio is one to 700. And so sometimes I wonder, you know, Spanish is around here. Maybe we should invest and try to reach people there as well. But there's a huge population out there that is unreached with the gospel that um, I think would qualify for to the ends of the earth. And so we're going to pray about it. We're not just going to go, hey, uh, mathematically it makes sense to go there. Well, you know, God is obviously bigger than mathematics. He has some things that sometimes make a lot of sense. And other times you go, uh, I don't know if I even want to go there, you know. And when we were preaching out on campus recently, Tom Short spoke. And uh, one of the days there was a, some Muslim students that just kind of, they kept pushing Tom to speak uh, about Islam. And he's like, are you sure you want me to? And they're like, yes. And he's like, I don't think you're going to like what I have to say. Yes, do it anyways. And are you sure? Yes. And so finally he starts into some things, uh, some common denominators between Christianity and Islam. And then, you know, it seems like things are going pretty well. And then he starts talking about, well, here's some differences. And the crowd got out of hand. These students got extremely fired up. Um, you know, at one point, one of the students went off and, and chased the, another guy that was in the crowd that was, uh, you know, I think he swore at him or something like that. And he ended up hitting him. The police came. It got kind of crazy. And so at one point, uh, Tom, I think, was talking to the police officer. And I decided, well, there's a crowd here. Uh, you know, I'm with the church to sponsor this guy. Maybe I should step up and say something. So I kind of popped into the crowd and I was just saying, you know, um, we, our student organization sponsors this guy. He's preaching to tell people about Christianity. That's why he's here. If the Muslims want to bring someone here or if the atheists or if the Mormons, you guys can do that. Just go through the right channel. Go sign up. Bring your speaker here. But today this is our speaker. And, you know, I went on at one point to say, and he's just here to tell people God loves everyone and Jesus died for you. And... The, the Muslim students were still a little fired up. I was talking to Alan afterwards, and he said, you know, I'm, I think those guys were threatening you. You know that? And I was kind of like, no, I didn't pick that up. That's, that's encouraging to hear, though. But uh, they, were, they were kind of saying from, from the crowd, they were saying, I wish you'd come to my country and preach that. Come to my country and preach that. And I don't know if you realize the connotations to that, but uh, if you go to some Muslim nations and take the message of Jesus Christ, being the way to heaven to get forgiveness, the Son of God. The connotations are under under certain laws you could be killed for that. It's, it's not a good thing. So an invitation to their country, that was actually wasn't a friendly gesture. And uh, I think Alan was right on the money there. They were saying, yeah, why don't you come bring this to our country? But you know what? I think that uh, that's something that the Holy Spirit would probably not be opposed to, more of us being in, in another country like that. I was, I was thinking just, the workforce out in the Muslim world of missionaries right now, do you know how many missionaries there are? There's roughly 4,200 missionaries, Christian missionaries in the world. 4,200. That's not very many. If you take a church like ours, say, you know, on a good Sunday, say there's 100, 100 people here. Take 100 of us and add us to that workforce. We increase the worldwide workforce by like 3%. Three percent. You know, in other places like North America and Latin America, there's the the statistics were like, you know, there's a huge number of of Christians and of missionaries in that world. And you take us and you, you add us into that, and we're you know a drop in the bucket. We're like point zero 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 something percentage increase 
you take us and send us to nascent, the Muslim nations and we are a large increase. And, you know, I don't know that that's not God's plan for us down the road here. We'll, we'll have to see. My, my wife is not signing me up for that. But, uh, you know, we'll see, uh, see what God has down the road. But anyways, we need to be thinking about this Acts 1-8 mission plan. I want to make sure everyone catches, um, you know, some of you might say, man, I don't like the Jerusalem. I'm ready. Sign me up for the rest of the world. Well, there was a progression. You know, they, they rocked and rolled in, in Jerusalem and they saturated it. And then they uh, went beyond there and they went beyond there. Sometimes they're like, oh, I don't like Jerusalem. Let me out of here. I'll go to any country. I just want out of here. Well, that's maybe it's a good thing for you to be here. Uh, you are here. And maybe that's right where God wants you. Other times people go, yeah, I love Jerusalem. I want to stay in Jerusalem. I don't ever want to leave. Well, that might not be a part of God's game plan either. Um, he, he had them start there and he sent them throughout the world. As a matter of fact, they... They seem to be stuck in Jerusalem. We see this command to reach the rest of the world. And the reality, if you read Acts like we're going to, they were stuck here for a long period of time in Jerusalem. And we all hear the commands, go and get out of here and reach the rest of the world. But they were stuck there until persecution struck. And then they were scattered throughout uh, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And sometimes I think we would almost prefer to be here and maybe we have to see some persecution to spread out. Some of you might go, I'm ready to spread out now. Well, make sure you're doing business, taking care of business here um, before you get on the road to the ends of the earth. So that's just some things uh, from this first part. And that took a lot more time than I was hoping. Uh, let's see here. The message. You will be my witnesses. You know, the apostles were the first witnesses. Um, Maybe just something for your vocabulary. You'll see in the in the book of Acts a number of times that uh, some would say it's it's really called the Acts of the Apostles. Um, what is an apostle? Well, there's a couple different uh, meanings to the word apostle. Um, there's an apostle with a capital A. Jesus was referred to uh, in the book of Hebrews as the apostle. Um, oh, nice. Turn off your phones there. Um, Jesus was referred to as the apostle. Um, then the first 12 apostles were the 12 apostles. Then from there, there's apostle with like a lowercase a. And that is really um, others that were used in, whether it's uh, used in the writing of the New Testament or used in building and strengthening churches. The idea of an apostle really means sent with authority. Jesus was the apostle. The 12 were the 12 apostles. And then there was apostles beyond that that were sent with authority to build up churches and to build God's kingdom. Um, so these were the first apostles here. They were the first witnesses. They saw Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and they testified to that. And I just love one of the themes we're going to catch here in Acts is that the apostles, when they, they testify, they don't, they're not testifying to, hey, I have faith that all this happened. To them, it was a fact. Actually, in Acts chapter 2, there's one point they said, and all this is a fact. We're telling you about a fact that we have witnessed. Now, to us, we weren't there for, you know, it's not as a matter of fact. We weren't there. We're going by faith of their recorded accounts and uh, what what they testified to and what they died testifying to. But they were eyewitnesses. These were facts that they were speaking to. And you're going to catch how they testify very strongly to those facts along the way, and especially to the resurrection. Uh, the message here, let's see. Nice. I'm going to have to do something with my phone. Sorry. Get some phone calls. Uh, ooh. This could be the... Oh, yeah. Muslims. I think it's the Muslim Student Association calling me here. But No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I don't. 
I tried to be friendly. I told those guys we love them, but we obviously had some different thoughts about who Jesus was. So, anyway, there'll be witnesses. Uh, the means here. We talked about the means of. Oops. All right. I'm having fun here with this. Talk of witnesses. Next, next. All right. So the other part of Acts 1 that we got to catch is just Jesus referred to, again, the means to accomplishing this mission was the promise that the Holy Spirit would come and come with power for accomplishing this mission. And uh, just a few things you can write down under under the means. You know, I refer to the Holy Spirit as the means. It's kind of like, um, don't get me wrong on that. It's not like, oh, the Holy Spirit is just the means to an end and we're just kind of using the Holy Spirit to get our job done. The Holy Spirit is indeed the means and the only means to accomplish this. But, you know, God and the Spirit, the Father, the Son, is, is the beginning of all things and all life, the means to accomplish our mission, the end of all things. So the Holy Spirit, yes, is the means and, and much more than that as well. So don't, don't miss that. Um, oops, oops. Boy, sorry about this here. I'm, I've talked to a few people on campus when we were preaching there and... Uh, some of them just say, you know, uh, I'm just not into organized religion, you know. And I always like to come back and say, well, if you come to our church, we're really not as organized as we could be, you know. Um, <laughs> so you don't have to worry about that here. But I feel, I feel that statement all too true this morning. Sorry about my uh, working with the PowerPoints here. But anyways, uh, some things I want you to catch about the Holy Spirit is... Uh, uh, we talked about the title could be, you know, how the gospel got from Jerusalem to Rome. Uh, another title could be um, the witnesses. Let's see, what did we say on the witnesses here? Um, the Acts of the Apostles, how the apostles took action. Another potential title could have been or, you know, might accurately be stated, the Acts of the Apostles through the Holy Spirit. The apostles only did what they did because they were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's how they spoke out. That's how they had boldness, how had power, had God's miraculous backing. So it's the acts of the apostles through the Holy Spirit. And one thing I want us to catch is that um, the Holy Spirit, you know, we see these things that the Holy Spirit brought into the world. When, uh, when the Spirit arrived on the scene, we'll look at Acts chapter 2 next time, but um, there were just supernatural things that happened. There was a boldness that these people, people just like you and I, had a boldness in speaking, uh, speaking to their opposition extremely clear. At one point, Peter, as we know, was speaking to the Jews, and he basically told them, and you killed Jesus. You know, and he was speaking extremely boldly, and they were kind of, and it said, you know, and then it said then they were pierced to the heart. You know, it could have said, Peter said that, and, you know, then he looked with fear on the crowd, and they stoned him to death. But it said he spoke boldly, and they were pierced to the heart. 3,000 of those who he spoke to got saved. That's, a, that's not a natural thing. That's not a common thing. That's a, a supernatural thing that the Holy Spirit brought. Uh, we see that throughout, not only with the first apostles, but just the rest of the early disciples. They had the Holy Spirit's backing in a supernatural way. Um, so one of the things that I want us to catch here is that the same Spirit that was with the apostles, and the, with a capital A, and the apostles with a little a, and all the disciples along the way, the same Spirit that was with them, is with us today. And we need to realize that. And I would have thrown in there, on my, you know, uh, in my notes I added in there, the same spirit that was with the apostles and the first disciples and with Tom Short 
is the same spirit that is with us today. I don't know how many of you saw Tom Short out on campus. If you've ever seen them, any, any of you ever seen Tom out on campus? It is kind of a wild thing. He's speaking boldly to 100 to 200 to 300, depending on how many people there are. People who are sometimes swearing. He's been spit on. He's been flashed. He's had all sorts of things happen while he's boldly proclaiming Jesus Christ. That's his mission, is to tell people about Jesus. And and you know how he would attribute any of that uh, success and any of the power in that? He always says, it's the Holy Spirit giving me the boldness, giving me the words, giving me everything. The same Holy Spirit that you and I have access to. The same Holy Spirit that the first disciples had and the apostles had. And I want to make sure we, we have that right in our minds. You know, it's not like, well, that was then and this is now. We have that same Holy Spirit. And I think the real question becomes, uh, you know, it says here, you'll, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Some translations say you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I used to kind of get a little caught up like, okay, so what's the deal? Is the Holy Spirit on me? Is the Holy Spirit's in me? I'm, I'm baptized into the Spirit. There's all these different on, in, under, through. Um, but, you know, what it can all boil down to is that... Um, when you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you should expect supernatural power for witnessing. And if you are not experiencing supernatural power and telling people about Christ, there's only one conclusion that can be drawn, that you are not yielded to the influence of the Holy Spirit, that you and I, we all have that same Spirit, but the only time the Spirit's allowed to uh, do His work is when we are yielded to that Spirit. The same Spirit... But not all of us are yielded to the same way, to the same degree. I think of our brother Tom Short who preaches out there, and I think there's an extreme yieldedness to what the Spirit puts on his heart to say, and especially in testifying about Jesus. And he yields again and again, and he's used powerfully to get things done. And if you're not seeing opportunities to witness with power, I encourage you to back up and go, are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Are you yielded? Have you turned your life over to Christ and His Spirit? Because these are the results that are promised. And so we need to think about that. We need to let that shake us. We need to expect supernatural power for accomplishing our mission here. Um, we are running out of time rapidly here. Uh, let's see here. We're going to look at this verse here on the last section of, of the last half of Acts chapter 1. Um, and we're just going to read this verse here for start. We're reading the context if you, if you want to look at your Bibles here again. We'll read um, a few verses around this section. But So, um, Jesus has reminded them of their mission, reminded them of the Spirit, reminded them of reaching the world, reminded them that they are personally witnesses, as we are today. And then, then He ascends into heaven, and there's a period of time where He's not with them in His body, and the Holy Spirit is not with him, them as promised. Um, in this way. And so, this is what they did. Verse 12 of Acts says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And one of the things we can learn, one of the, I think, examples from the first, the first uh, disciples, of the apostles that we could learn from is the, this phrase here, they were continually, um, how does it put it here, they, 
They were constantly in prayer. One version says continually devoting themselves to prayer. And, and that's something that they did a lot. And they, they saw some things in their day and age that, that we probably don't see as much. 3,000 people getting saved on the spot. Um, God's hand backing their messages in powerful ways and even miraculous ways. And a lot of times I wonder, why don't we see things today like they saw back then? I think one of them is our, our yieldedness our humility towards God and towards the Spirit. Another thing I think is they were completely devoted to prayer. You look, one of the things you'll see throughout the book of Acts is it really could be called a study on successful prayer from chapter 1 to the end. There's just studies of uh, examples of how God answered their prayer and places were shaken. God answered their prayer and chains were broken. God answered their prayer and people were saved. And it's just a study uh, on success in answered prayer, the power of prayer and and I just hope that we would catch that example as we go here. They were continually devoted to prayer. Um, let's see. So we have that one. There's a verse there. What do we have there? Okay. Yeah. So uh, one of the things, just some of the practicals, one of the, the firehouses we call the fire, we, we took the idea of God's word is like fire. God himself is a consuming fire. We want to worship him here. The, the house part of it, we, there's a verse that really spoke into the world that Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. He's quoting from Isaiah here where Isaiah said, My house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And we really want to be devoted to prayer here in the firehouse. And um, we're also, the phrase here, you know, we'd like to have the firehouse be a family of friends on a mission. And and I hope that that you catch that heart. I hope that you commit to being a part of the family of friends on a mission. Because you can break up each one of those and you go, Hey, I'm a part of a family, but I, I would never say we're friends. Or, i got a bunch of friends, but, you know, it doesn't quite work like a family with different roles and things. Or, i got a family, and we are actually friends, and we do whatever we want. We hang out, waste time together, whatever. But our goal at the firehouse is to be a family of friends on a mission together. And and that's a high calling, family of friends on a mission together. This, this list of people here, if you look through it, is a bunch of, there's a bunch of brothers in there. We've got um, people like... Uh, Peter and Andrew were brothers. James and John were brothers. Philip went and got, I think, his best friend. It seemed like back in uh, John chapter 1 and 2, we see he went and got uh, Bartholomew. He's also known as Nathaniel. Um, some of these, there was even a father-son combination. There was James, the son of Alphaeus, and then there was uh, Judas, was the son of James. And so there was a family. There were family relationships. I think there were friend relationships there. But they also saw themselves as on a mission, and they were devoted to prayer, seeking God about that mission. I want to make sure we catch that. Sometimes we can do fun things together, and that's great. We like to be the firehouse family and have lots of fun together. But this idea of being devoted to prayer, uh, seeking God to accomplish the mission, our goal is not to just be a, a fun church family that hangs out a lot. That's, that's nice, and that, you know, it's probably more than some places have. But we want to be a, a family of friends on a mission. We've got a mission that we are to reach the ends of the earth with, with the good news about Christ. And, and so we need to be praying about that. And two practical steps I want to give you on that is, um, you know, uh, maximizing the opportunities you have for prayer now. Are you making the most of the times that you have to pray? We have times of prayer in our house church, in our small groups, and Sunday morning. Um, uh, maybe you meet with some friends, some people in, in your small group and stuff there. But there's, there's some opportunities that are in our schedule right now to pray. Are you making the most of those? Do you show up and you're silent? Do you show up and you're sulking? Do you show up at all? 
Are you making the most of the opportunities we have to pray? Because these guys were devoted constantly to prayer. We just have a few opportunities we pray, but are you making the most of those? And if we suggested around here, hey, what if we added another prayer meeting? How does that resonate with you? Do you go, oh my gosh, I'm already so busy? Or do you go, yeah, more prayer, that would be awesome, I'd love it. Um, but how does that speak to you? You know, um, there's sometimes the passage that my house will be a house of prayer is preceded by saying they will find joy in the house of prayer. Is, is prayer a joyful thought to you if we added that another prayer opportunity to your world? Or is that kind of a, a burden or a hindrance to your, your game plan? Well, I hope that it wouldn't be, but, but we need to catch this attitude. It is an awesome example to us. The last thing we'll say here is just um, this section. Uh, Peter was uh, talking to the crowd. He addresses them down here in like verse uh, 015 through the end of the chapter. But I want to pick up here verse 20 and 21 where Peter says, it says, For Peter said, It is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who has been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when he, Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And it tells about how they proposed two men and selected one. But one of the things, and another example we can catch here is Peter steps up and he initiates to, to say, hey, here's something in God's word that we need to put into action here. You know, this is the first time Peter is ever recorded quoting from the Word of God. You know, other disciples did it along the way. Jesus was constantly quoting from the Scriptures. This is the first time Peter ever quoted from the Scriptures. And it appears to be the case that Peter was reading the Psalms. Maybe he was having a quiet time. Maybe he was studying. When he came across these things, where he sees the context as, hey, this was talking about Judas. And his, his place of habitation, his dwelling is going to be Barren, there will be no one there, but his place of leadership um, may another take it. And so he's reading the scriptures and he stands up and says, here's what it says right here. We need to do this. You know, like the verse says there, it's written in the book. Therefore, it's necessary to take action. And we need to catch that example throughout the book of Acts here. They saw things in the scriptures. They remembered their commands from Jesus and they took action. And we need to be like that. And we don't need to take just any old action. Sometimes some... You know, it's like people go, I read this, and it's completely out of context. It completely doesn't relate. Maybe it's just something they want to do, and they say, I read this, and I did this. And, you know, as a pastor, you can go, that's very interesting, you know. Um, you know it seems like you might have misunderstood that one. That's why we put in this that we accurately put the Word of God into action in our lives. Um, sincere, we can be very sincere about something that we're trying to apply in the Bible, but we can be sincerely wrong about it as well. But we need to be accurate. I know myself, as I was first beginning to learn and understand the Bible, there was times where, you know, I remember the old proverb that says, uh, related to parenting, it says, spare spare the child, no, spare the rod and spoil the child, you know, and uh, I used to kind of quote that idea to my parents, yeah, you're supposed to spare the rod and spoil the child, what are you doing here? And, you know, I didn't fully understand that the reality was it was kind of a principle more than a command. If you spare the rod, you will spoil the child, you know, and that's that's not a good thing. But sometimes we can read things that are like, uh, there's a principle there, and I, I take it as a command, or this one was specifically fulfilled in Judas, and I think I should apply that to my small group this week or something. You know, we have to be careful that we accurately handle God's words, and, and one of the ways to do that is that, um, well, obviously, through prayer, 
and through the Holy Spirit helping us to understand. But another thing is we have to remember that God has given us teachers to help us understand the Scriptures and to apply them. And in the Bible, in the New Testament, it says not every one of you should assume that you're a teacher, that you could tell people what this means and how to apply it. And, and uh, Peter was given an assignment of teaching. He was one of the apostles that he brought authority to his understanding of the Scriptures and said, this is what it means and this is how we should carry it out. And so we have to make sure that we handle the Scriptures um, you know, responsibly. There's ways that we can understand it personally. It makes sense. But there's other times where we go, maybe I should ask what this means. Uh, you know, I've given the example before in my own life from this very passage where it says, hey, they cast lots and they picked a, uh, the disciples who should take this spot here. And casting lots, you know, in a lot of ways, practically it comes down to like flipping a coin or something. There's one side said go this way and one side said go that way. And, you know, as a young believer in my own life, I was like, hey, I'm trying to figure out, I was going to go take a retreat and figure out where to go. And I said, maybe I should cast lots on how to get there, you know. And so every intersection I came to, I flipped my holy coin. And I said, okay, we go right here. And we drive off right there. And then we come to another intersection, you know, casting lots. And okay, we go there. And my hope was to get to the mountains. I was going to have a time of fasting and personal retreat. I ended up going out towards the Pawnee National Grasslands out in, out in the east there, out in the boondocks. And eventually I decided to stop casting lots and to... Uh, follow what I, the Spirit had put on my heart to get to the mountains and I got up there and had a great retreat. Eventually I told one of my buddies who understood the Scriptures better than me and he said, um, you know, the reality is that casting lots, that was the last time it was ever mentioned in the Scriptures and then they received the Holy Spirit and you don't see it ever again. I was like, oh, that would have been good to know, you know, before I went off to, to Pawnee, uh, Pawnee, Nebraska there or whatever. Um, but the point is we need to put the Scriptures into action in our life and we need to do it in a way that's uh, with understanding. We'll apply them with the understanding that you have, but I encourage you to seek to have greater understanding just so you don't kind of do some silly things like I've done along the way. But anyway, those are our examples that we talked about this week. Just a quick summary is um, just a, the game plan that they were given is Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Progressive geographical expansion. That same game plan we have today. Be praying about God to lead us in that. Um, uh, the, they were witnesses back then. They were eyewitnesses. They recorded their accounts. That's what we read. That's what we have today. We are called to be Christ's witnesses today. And I hope there's more than 52% of us that see that. Um, the other one, we have the same Holy Spirit that they had lives in us today. Are you yield to that Spirit? Yielded to the Holy Spirit? They were an example of continually devoting themselves to prayer. Are you devoted to prayer? Do you make the most of the opportunities that you have now? Are you willing for more? And the last part there is that they accurately handled the Word of God. They put it into action. And are you putting God's Word into action? And, and look for these themes and these opportunities um, over the next number of weeks. So let's pray together. Well, Lord Jesus, uh, we, do, we do just thank you the, for the example that you have given us, Lord, that... Uh, you gave us these witnesses who recorded their accounts, Lord God, who, um, who died testifying to the truth of, of your work on the cross and the resurrection. And Lord, who have passed these on to us, Lord, that the New Testament is their accounts, their, their teachings, Lord, and we have them today and we can live them out and proclaim them. And I just ask, Lord, that you would help us to help us to proclaim what you did on the cross for us. Help us to proclaim that boldly. Help us to proclaim what you've done in our lives personally, Lord. Help us to be witnesses that are testifying to these truths. Lord, we ask that 
You would teach us as a church to be more under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that we could see you do more things that you want to do, things that are beyond what are natural, what are common, what are expected. We ask that you would help us just to yield to your Spirit and see supernatural power. Help us to understand the Scriptures as we move forward in the next several weeks here. And we just ask you for all of this grace. And we praise you, Lord, that you are the risen Lord, uh, the God of the resurrection who ascended into heaven and you are coming back. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you guys for joining us this morning. And uh, as was announced earlier, I hope you join a house church this week. We're just going to be having some fun activities from corn maze to... Uh, uh, let's see, carving pumpkins, bobbing for, bobbing for apples, all of the above. So uh, we hope to see you Wednesday night as well. So thanks again.